Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, we are going to talk about the silent cancer. The silent cancer. And I'll get into that in just a minute about what that silent cancer is. But we know there is the physical cancer that is an actually, it's a very cruel disease. Um, It's not something that is fair at all and it makes people suffer for quite a long time. My father, in fact, died from colon cancer in 1969 at the age of 32. So, And my aunt is a breast cancer survivor. So it's been in my family. So I know how the physical cancer affects us. It's, a, it's not a fun disease. And it's not fair to our family members that, um, that's, that are uh, suffering from it. So the cancer I'm talking about is more emotional and spiritual in nature. And there's a lot of it happening in the world today. Now, you know, we have the sex trafficking thing going on, and it's that's a cancer in and of itself. Um, and a lot of it's being exposed now, thank God, by, by our government. Um, Weinstein is been thrown in jail. Uh, Epstein is no longer with us. Um, He met his demise in prison, unfortunately. Epstein's girlfriend is now being questioned. And I'm I'm convinced, and then the Clintons are are being exposed as being a part of the whole thing. Now, I know there's no um, concrete proof. There's been no determination of anybody being involved in it, but it's being exposed that very high-profile people are involved in this. And it makes sense, to be honest with you, because it just makes sense in, in my eyes. That's all I can say. Um, so that, that, that's another type of cancer. And then the cancer that I'm talking about, in my opinion, remember, these are all in my opinions, and a lot of it's based on some research that I have, but in my opinion, is worse than COVID. I mean, we got COVID going on right now, and I think COVID is, is distracting us from a lot of other things that's going happening in this world, a lot of things that are happening in this world. And right now, because of the COVID, there's been a high increase in suicides by both adults and teenagers, drug overdoses, domestic violence, um, and, and other, emotional, uh, other emotional situations or uh, stigmas because of the COVID. People being locked up for, what, four or five months now and not being able to go to work, not being able to work out, you name it. So there's another cancer, and that's caused by our government, in my opinion. So what I'm going to talk about is another pandemic, all right? It's not only in this country, but it's throughout the world, that, that, and it's a pandemic that nobody, nobody wants to talk about, and, and, I, and I mean that, um, Nobody's a big word. I, uh, there are very few people that will talk about it. So 
nobody's not really true. There are a few people that will talk about it. However, most people, most people um, act as though it never happens. In fact, when I told them it happened to me, they <laughs> looked at me and go, what are you talking about? I go, it, it happens. It happened to me. I'm a survivor. They never knew it. Right? But it's because of my calling that um, it's being exposed. And it's gonna, I'm going to continue to expose it. I, I am the voice for the voiceless. I will say that, especially when it comes to this pandemic. What's worse yet is that it, 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 if it happens in, in a family, it, 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 and it happens to a son or daughter, more often than not, they'll blame it on the children saying, he or she must have asked for it. And that's, a, that's absurd thinking. Abs- and, and, I, and I've heard it from kids. I've, heard, I've, I've sat down with kids and listened to them. And that's exactly what happens. It, it's, it's ridiculous that a parent will put that on a child. Absolutely ridiculous. So what is, what is a pandemic that I'm talking about? Well, it's a sexual abuse of boys. And, of course, girls. But my focus is on boys because that's the one area that people really don't want to talk about. And society has done that because of who men are or who they're supposed to be according to the societal rules for men. So here's some statistics. Statistically, one of three girls would be sexually abused before the age of 18. And that statistic has stood firm for several years. It really hasn't changed. On the other hand, the statistic for boys that have been sexually abused is all over the board. I've seen it as high as 150. But what I use is, is in all my presentation, is I use one in four boys will be sexually abused before the age of 18. And that comes from the Lisa Project in, in 2010. And, and the reality is, is that I think it's more like one and two, and a lot of my associates think it's more like one and two. And in fact, in, in 2005, Johnson et al. did a, a study of 100 men, and, found, and 59% of, of those men, or one and 1.7 men, of their sample had been sexually abused, and 100%, 100% of the men had reported some use of drugs. Okay. So there's a lot that this is involved. You, the addictions is, and, and Dr. Gabar Mate said, "Oh, he says this. This is the question shouldn't be why the addiction. The question should be why the pain. And that addiction is always uh, substantiated, or, or is always started with abuse. The, the two go hand in hand. Unresolved childhood issues." unresolved childhood trauma, or the ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. According to a report by the Mental Health Association in New York State Incorporated, 80% of men that have been sexually abused have a substance abuse history. Okay? Yet other statistics tell us that up, upwards of 65 to 75% of men in treatment facilities have a history of this. Yet there is li- very little, if any, help for men in this area and that is a, such a true statement they cannot treat the underlying issues the deep layers of scarring um, the damage is incomprehensible they cannot treat it in a 30 60 90 day program 
There's a lot of work that has to be done. There's a lot of work that has to be undone, and then the neural pathways have to be reprogrammed. I've even had a couple of therapists that I know and well-known treatment facilities tell me, Randy, it's more like 95% of our men in our facilities have been sexually abused. Okay, So it's, it's in all fairness, I will say that that the statistics for abused boys still remains to this day controversial and understandably so. Understandably so. Okay. What makes it worse is this. We know using the statistics, one in four boys and one in three girls. We have those statistics, but what makes it worse is that according to Megan's Law and Crime Victim Center, less than 10% of all sexual abuse is even reported to the police. So how much worse is it, really? How much worse is it? And that's a great question. Um, it, it's far worse. That's why I say I, I've been out in the field and talked to a lot of men over the last 10 or 12 years. I'm of the, I'm of the belief it's one and two, straight across the board, men and women, period. Um, and it's, I think it's even getting worse today with, the, with everything that's going on in this world. In many ways, though, the sexual abuse of children of any gender is like out-of-control cancer. And like cancer, there is treatment for it. There absolutely is treatment for it. But it takes not just any psychologist can, can, can help men that have been sexually abused. And we've talked to a lot of therapists, and they don't know how to deal with it. So just like cancer, not every doctor treats cancer. A lot, of, a lot of psychologists and therapists, counselors, they can treat the, the, um, the symptoms of the underlying issues, but they don't know how to treat the underlying issue of abuse. And, and I say that with all respect. There's no disrespect in that at all. So let's take a look at some comparisons, okay, so, uh, between cancer and sexual abuse. And, and this really what brought this to light when I did this research. According to breastcancer.org, about one in eight women will develop breast cancer, and the American Cancer Society states that one in five people will develop colon cancer, and one in 67 will develop pancreatic cancer. Okay? In contrast, according to a report by Lisa Project, again, one in four boys will be sexually abused before the age of 18. When people are diagnosed with cancer, okay, like I said, there's treatment. And I'm going to go through cancer treatment. Well, not treatment. Uh, I, yeah, I guess it's the emotional treatment and the, and, and the, the, from family and friends and community, okay? So when people are diagnosed with cancer, they're met with an abundance of love, sympathy, and support from their doctors and family. Now, I'm sure there's those occasions where they're not met that way, which is probably because they don't have a healthy family. Their nuclear family doesn't exist anymore, so on and so forth. But overall, they're met with an abundance of love, sympathy, and support from their doctors and family. Often, they have the constant support from not only family and friends, but often their community surrounds and supports them as well. For instance, a personal friend of our family had a daughter who at the age of four years old was diagnosed with stage four high-risk neuroplastoma. With the efforts of my wife and many others, a Facebook page was developed. And within six months, within six months, 
Almost $200,000 was raised to help with the insurmountable medical bills her parents were receiving. Now, sexual abuse um, in the world today, and I don't, I'm going to, it costs society $94 million a year. $94 million a year. I'm going to double check that. It's in my slides. I, I just, it came to mind right now. It could be a little higher, or a little bit lower, but right around $94 million a year is what it costs us taxpayers tax paying dollars to deal with the abuse. So that's a lot of money that could be going in other places. In contrast, okay, I mean, so, well, let's go back. The $250,000 was raised to help with the, the instrumental medical bills that her parents were receiving. And remember, those medical bills don't stop when the child passes away. They still got to finish paying the medical bills, whatever insurance doesn't cover. Okay, so in contrast, if a young boy goes to someone telling him that he, was, he, that he had been sexually abused, and more often than not, his cry for help is discarded as a fabricated story rather than the truth. He's told not to say any more about it or never to bring it up again. That is like the most devastating thing you can do to your child. Discount his feelings. You just threw him underneath the bus. You tell him he's a piece of trash. You have no idea what that does to a child. None. The reality is that most boys never say anything because they believe their family will be harmed or they will lose a variety of other emotional needs that are being met by their perpetrator. And a lot of those other emotional needs are love, um, Somebody's at their ball games. I could go on and on and on. It's a whole other subject. But there's a lot of a lot of things that they're afraid they're going to lose. They won't say anything to anyone for fear of looking weak or less of a man. There's also the fear that if if you're not gay, you're gonna, your peers will will say you're gay. On the other hand, if you're gay, there's the fear of being accused of asking for it. And these are all absurd absurd assumptions. None of this is true. We, we, you know, fabricate a story rather than you know. How how can how can a child fabricate a story like that? I mean, if they're fabricating a story like that, somebody's feeding it to them. But I I think I believe that there's very few cases, and I'm sure there is a few out there that have been fabricated by upset mothers and fathers or, or whatever. But. This is a, a story that's really hard to fabricate. I'm telling you right now. There's certain things that just a child wouldn't know. And when they come to you, what I always say, if they come to you, it's your child. It's, it's, your, child's, it's your child's life. You, you believe them. I'm going to say you better believe them. And then let due process take place. Support your child. Because if you don't support your child for the rest of his life, he's going to think his life is worthless. And you might not think that, but believe me, it's true. So what happens is, is that because we're not believed, okay, we carry this secret 
into our adulthood. We learn how to lie and keep secrets very easily to cover up for our true feelings. And carrying the secret into our adulthood is not a healthy thing. And oftentimes people, it's repressed, it's repressed uh, memories. And, and we don't know what's going on and we don't know why we might be acting the way we are because we just think, it's well, it's just part of life, right? And then when you start your healing journey, you start finding all this stuff out and understanding where you're coming from. It's like, oh, now I understand. So what happens is this. When a victim gets tired of feeling the pain of their past trauma, and it is trauma, I didn't realize that. They're tired of fi- they're tired of failed relationships, marriages, and business failures. Then and only then they might, and I say might, speak out and seek help. What happened where I come into play and what, what the benefit I get is that when I speak Oftentimes, people will come to me afterwards and say, Randy, and even women have done this, and men, both men and women, and say, you know, I was, it happened to me, and I was never going to tell nobody. Never. I was going to take it to my grave, Randy, until I heard you speak. And now I'm going to start seeking the help that I need because if, I look at your life and your story and, and what, you, what you've accomplished in your life and what you're doing. And if you can do it, I know I can do it. I know I can do it. So sometimes what it takes is the courage of another person to speak up in order for another person to get the courage to speak up. Because speaking out about being sexually abused as a child, it really takes a tremendous, tremendous amount of courage. And I know for for several years after I started speaking and talking about it publicly, afterwards I'd feel some shame come over me, but I was always surrounded by people that would work me through that shame. And I don't feel that shame today. I don't feel that shame today. God God has has relieved me of that shame. I can talk freely about what happened to me because I know that it's going to help another man. And I, I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But unfortunately, this courage is far too often met with a male victim being shunned and shamed for speaking up, just as when you're a child. And we don't forget that. When I was a child, I tried telling somebody, and they, they told me I was wrong, that that couldn't be happening, especially by that person. And here, here's, the, here's, what, here's what you need to understand is that perpetrators often, often, more often than not, are outstanding citizens in the community. My stepfather, who sexually, physically, emotionally, spiritually abused me, was a deacon of the church. My mother, who, who abused me in many ways, didn't sexually abuse me other than being uh, aware of it and allowing it to happen. She was a member of the choir. They could do no wrong in the church's eyes or anybody in the church. They were such saints to everybody else. And so if I tried to speak up, even about physical abuse, even though they saw the black eyes my mother had from my stepfather beating her, that couldn't be happening by that, in that family. They're too good a people. It's just a lie. It's, a, it's perception. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And so 
when we're shamed as, and shunned as kids, what do you expect 10, 15 years later? That we're going to speak up? Why should we? Because every time we tried to reach out for help in the past, we were shunned or shamed. It's just going to happen to us again. So, you know, it takes that courage to, to, to break through that shame and that shunning. Oftentimes I'll be told, hey, man, <laughs> it happened such a long time ago. It's time to grow up, get over it, and move on with your life. All you need to do, Randy, is forgive, forget, and, and, and move on with your life. It's that simple. No, it's not that simple. If it was that simple, I would have done it 30-some years ago. It took me until the age of 49 and nearly losing everything I worked so hard for and the love of my life and my family before I reached out for help and realized that I needed help. These types of comments, I, I want you to understand this. I, tie your tongue, please. They do more harm than good and inevitably lead to the victim crawling right back into the world of isolation and addiction. You need to understand that. You can't help them recover. You don't know how to, but here's what you can do. You can be an ear. What victims need is they need to be heard. They need somebody to listen to them and understand them and just be there for them. You can't fix them, so don't try. The best thing you can do is listen to them without judgment, without criticism. Just be, just zip your lips and let them talk to you. Be a friend. Be a true friend. You know, when I entered into the recovery I had uh, two mentors. I had one in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I had one in Codependence Anonymous. I had both of them. They're both much wiser than me. Um, and both of them were wise enough to tell me that when it came to my abuse, and I want you to hear this, for those of you that think you can help people, they were wise enough to tell me that they cannot help me with my abuse issues. They can't, and they weren't, and they shouldn't. And there's too many... Too many well-intentioned mentors, sponsors, whatever you want to call them out there that think they can and they can't. They do more harm than good. What they did is they advised me that, that, that I would have to rely on my therapist to help me through that process. It's the best thing that everybody could, anybody could have ever told me. They knew I was abused. They knew the, the problems that came with it, but they knew they couldn't help me through that part, but they could help me with all the issues that, that had to do with men and being a, a contributing man in society, a good husband, a good father. That they could help me with. Sadly, sadly, I got to tell you, I, I have seen more damage done by, by mentors, by therapists, by... Um, by by well-intentioned people and by um, and, and and ill-advising uh, sponsors, giving bad advice to sponsees, you, you just you know telling them just to get over it. Come on, you guys, they, they, take remove that from your vocabulary. Remove it. Happened a long time ago. It's time to grow up. You just need to forgive, forget, and move on. Remove those from your vocabulary. Forgiveness is a must in this process, but it is a process, and it takes time, okay? You'll never forget. Never forget. So don't just take that out of your vocabulary. 
and yeah, you have to move on, but forgiveness and moving on is a process. And it's made real clear on the on page 164 in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which, by the way, is biblically based on the book of James, the 1 Corinthians 13, and the Sermon on the Mount. Do your research, okay? I, I guarantee it. But obviously, this is on top of page 164 in the big book. It says, but obviously you cannot transmit something you have not got. You cannot transmit something you haven't got. If you have not been sexually abused and done your own healing work, you cannot help someone that has. Period. You cannot, if you haven't done your own healing work, you haven't been sexually abused, you can't help someone that has been sexually abused, period. Sexual abuse is a cancer of the soul, and like any cancer, the best cure is love, understanding from family, friends, and community. What I needed most when I started my healing journey in 2006, and this is the same thing I hear from survivors today, was to be listened to and heard without judgment. I needed to be believed, validated, supported, and not for you to fix me, but to love me. Leave the fixing to the professionals, please. Just be there for them. When I received all these from my counselors and treatment, I was finally able to move from victim mentality to a courageous, healing, thriving survivor. And I will tell you that that is how my wife and I meet all of our, all of our clients. We're there. We listen to them. If we don't know what's going on in their life, we can't help them. Parents, this is a cry out to you. Please, if a child comes to you, especially in the times today, I mean, the pro- they're at home now. And a lot of times they might be left at home with a, a male. And, and here's another statistic that I haven't thrown out yet that I want you to be aware of. And, and I'm not trying to scare you, but I want you to be aware. 93% of all perpetrators are family members or family friends. In fact, if you're a divorced mother and you allow another man in your house to watch your child, my, <laughs> your chances of uh, the, the child's chances of being sexually abused increase dramatically. In fact, that's exactly what happened to me. My father died a month later. This, this man that had been in our life for the year prior to that because my parents were divorced, a month after that, I come, on, I come home. There he is sitting on the couch. I thought we were going to maybe play baseball or play catch in the backyard, do something that a son and father would do. Instead, he went in my bedroom with me, told me how rough it was going to be to grow up without a child, but that he was going to be there for me. As his hand was going down on my crotch, and what would be a five-year, six-year period of sexual, physical, emotional, and spiritual abuse had begun that day. And from the very first day that that happened, I was never the same. Never. I was so confused. Didn't understand. I was a 12-year-old boy that needed his father, that needed a father's love, and I thought that's what I was getting. Perpetrators are master manipulators and deceivers. You need to understand that. Please, you need to understand that. They're your children. They're your children. 
We have to look after our children. We have to make them a priority in our life. I beg of you, if a child comes to you and says this has happened to them, listen to them, believe them, make the necessary calls, and let the professionals that deal with this on a legal, on a legal level, let them get to the truth and let them do what, it ha- what they have to do. But I don't want my family to be destroyed. It was, it was his brother. It was his father. It was his uncle. It was, it was her grandfather. It was her, I don't care who it is. I don't want to destroy the family. This family's already destroyed. You don't seem to understand that. Let's get help for the child so the child doesn't have to live this life of confusion and pain for the rest of their life. And then at the same time, let's get help for the family. Because I can guarantee you this. If they're doing it to your son or your daughter, they're doing it to other people. I guarantee it. So, you know, you're not only going to help your child, you're going to help other children as well. And as, as people come out, more and more people, you see it all the time, come up and start speaking about it. And then you hear, well, you know, they just want money. They're in Hollywood. Look, look and now, now one person says it, now everybody's saying it. Well, because I understand. They're not going to say nothing. Why should they? Look, look at what happened in Hollywood to those that did speak up. They were shunned and they were shamed for speaking up. Wake up, America. This is a cancer that we control, that we can't stop. I beg of you. I plead with you. They're your children. They're our children. They're the future of America. I talked to some some child trafficking people. You know that if your child is missing for more than a week... I didn't know this. Let's say your child runs away from home and a week's gone by and you can't find him. The, 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 the likelihood of that child being tra- uh, sex trafficked is extremely high. These guys are master manipulators, deceivers. They know, what the, they know how to talk to your children. They know what they need. Believe me, they know what they need. They've done their homework. They're not stupid. And they, and, and they glean off of that stuff. Educate your children. I'm not telling you to be paranoid. I'm just telling you to watch out for your children. Be the parent that you should be. You wanted to have kids. You chose to have children. Now be a parent. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever it means, be a parent. You never stop being a parent. I'm 63 years old and I got grown adults' children. I'm still their father. And I'm, I'm their children's grandfather. And I love them all just like I, I did when they were under my, under my roof. Look, if you want to know more about this, you can get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within. Healing the Wounded Child Within on Amazon. It's available in Kindle, Audible, and in paperback. It's a book about hope and healing. Um, it doesn't. It's not a dark book about you know where all I do is talk about the sexual abuse and uh, every aspect of it. There's there's parts in it that I do talk about the abuse, but how it relates to my behavior and actions as I was growing up and into my adulthood. But it also gives you ideas of how to heal different different things in there you can do to heal. Uh, it's very important that. That is included. We, there's too many books that are written by survivors that that's all it is. This is also written by me. 
not a third person, not a therapist, not a psychologist. This is written in first person with a lot of excerpts in there from professionals. Dan Griffin, John Lee, um, Jerry, Jerry Moe, uh, Mick, Mick Hunter. Um, uh, there's a few of, a few others in there that slip in my mind right now. So there's excerpts in there from all of them. Uh, Dr. Um, Alan Berger, he, he's, he's phenomenal. He's just absolutely wonderful. There's excerpts in that book from them as well. So get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, on Amazon. Also, my 30-day devotional. It's called 30 Days to um, 30 Day Devotional to Wholeness and my, my workbook, 7-Day Challenge. Please visit our website also, uh, CourageousHealers.org. You can kind of go through it and see what's going on. We have some workshops coming up. We've had to put them on hold because of the pandemic. That's the COVID joke-demic. I mean, I know it's real, but we've had to put them on hold, so we're still working on those um, and other things. Also, my life coaching page, ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com. My wife and I do marriage counseling, and I do a lot of life coaching on anything from addiction all the way to abuse to spiritual to, uh, spiritual um, issues. The foundation, Courageous Healers Foundation, is, um, you know, Kathy, my wife, started that Facebook page for the, for our friend whose daughter unfortunately passed away. That's all she did. She stepped away after that, and they raised $250,000. It has been so hard for me to raise money for my foundation to help this cancer. The best I did was I rode my bike across America. When I rode my bike across America, and then in 2017 and then 2018, I rode my bike from, or 2000, yeah, 2018, I rode my bike from Seattle to San Diego. I was able to raise, that's the best, best contributions I've ever received. And, but that money only goes so far. So if you go to our website, you can you can contribute right there to, through PayPal. You can do a one-time donation, or you can set yourself up to a monthly donation. $5, dollars $1,000, $5, whatever your heart tells you. And I know I know today's times are tough, and, and we could really, really use your help. We want to continue with the foundation. We want to continue with our outreach. We want to continue developing workshops that can help survivors. And I want to continue growing the foundation, but we can't do it without the money. Um, I just let you know that 100% of all money donated stays in the foundation. It goes right into the foundation. That's where it stays. And we are a 501c3 um, corporation. So all your, your contributions are 100% tax deductible. Okay, enough of that. Um, so... Check out the websites, get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within. And parents, please start believing your parent, your, your children. I, I, I beg of you. I can't, I can't say that enough. Okay? Remember that if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. But more importantly, God does. And one last thing. Every Friday morning from 9 to 12, um, unless I'm out of town, 9 to 12, I am on uh, Remnant Radio 100.1 FM. Remnant Radio 100.1 FM radio um, from 9 to 12 on Friday mornings. Talking about all different things. It's a combination of gospel music and what's going on uh, in, in life, different different areas of recovery. You can also get our, 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 our uh, what we have a, a 
webpage. It's uh, radioremnant.org, radioremnant.org. So if you can't get us on radio, you can go to radioremnant.org, and you can listen to us there. You can listen to us live or recorded either way. And we also have an app called Reminante, and that that app is in Spanish and American and English. And so is so is the uh, so is the webpage. So, anyways, check that out as well. And uh, as always, I appreciate all of you guys that, that and, and women that tune into this and listen to this. It's a passion I have, and I, all I want to do is help people. That's what God's called me to do. And and sometimes it's really tough on this journey, um, but I'm not going to quit. I refuse to quit. I, I just look at a lot of different people in life that had they have quit, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. In fact, in fact, when I was riding my bike across America, there's countless hills I climb. And I can remember climbing hills just like exhausted, going, man, here goes another hill. And I can remember the thought coming in my head, Randy, if you quit, if you quit, you're not quitting on yourself. You're quitting on all the men that have been sexually abused. You just got to do this one pedal stroke at a time. And every, every turn of the pedal, every turn that I tuck on that pedal represented one voiceless man that had been sexually abused. So oftentimes, that is what kept me going when I wanted to quit, when I had to dig that little bit deeper. So if you're one of the men that are out there on the edge, say, I can't do this no more, dig a little deeper. You can do this. There's support out there for you. And again... If nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. But more importantly, God does. Everybody be blessed. Have a super good day, morning or evening, wherever you might be and whatever part of the day it is. We'll talk to you on our next episode.